All right, we're live. All right, today we got uh, Little Joe Reber. Is that how I say your last name? It is. It yeah. is? Okay. Um, I'd like you to, or if you can, if you want, uh, start off by saying a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into powerlifting, your history in powerlifting, that sort of stuff. Okay, so I started powerlifting about six years ago. Um, the gym that I went to was a small kind of family-run gym, and the guy that used to own it is one of the, um, I guess he's an M2 powerlifter now in Ontario. I don't know if people remember Andy Childs, but he still competes, I think. Anyway, so I was training for a bodybuilding show, the one and only bodybuilding show I've ever done, okay. and uh, I was relatively strong for my size and he saw me lifting and thought that I should try powerlifting and I said all right I'll try it and in fact it was the um barbell lifting which I'd never done before that I did while I was training for the bodybuilding show that uh I actually really enjoyed it's the only part of that that I actually enjoyed <laughs> so powerlifting was a good fit and uh I think I did my first OPA meet in May of 2013 Right on. In Bell River. I was like the only female there, so. <laughs> uh, wow, that's uh, quite a long time of lifting. Did you, uh, you were training before that, obviously, doing some bodybuilding stuff. Um, what what did you like about bodybuilding that uh, got you into that? Um, I've always, like I was a gymnast when I was younger, so I've always done something. And I used to go to the gym on my own all the time. And I honest to God had no idea what I was doing. I was just <laughs> lifting dumbbells and doing random things that I saw other people doing. But I've always been relatively strong. So I think the bodybuilding I liked only because it was goal oriented. Like I had a goal to train for. So I liked that aspect of it. But uh, I didn't really like the stage performance or the focus on how you looked or what your makeup looked like or what earrings you were wearing, but yeah. the training I actually really enjoyed and it was the heavier training aspect that I enjoyed. So powerlifting was a good fit. Gotcha. Cool. So, uh, you know, you've been lifting for a little while now and, um, I know you're involved with the iron sisters, which I'm assuming gets women involved with powerlifting and, um, just seeing the growth of female powerlifting, um, you've been kind of able to watch that like you were saying in your first meet there was only one girl there and now mm-hmm. it's like half and half you go to meets and there's there's tons of girls there yeah. it's crazy to see the growth yeah um no it's been great great to see what uh so you're involved with the iron sisters um what what is that and for people that don't know like uh what do you guys do and um yeah touch on that a little bit so I was the Iron Sisters as a community. Um, it started with my little powerlifting team here that Francis Manius uh, runs called Dundas Valley Power, which is where I started truly powerlifting. And there were four or five uh, women in that group initially. And it started because one day we were sitting around training, watching Kimberly Walford training videos <laughs> to inspire us while we were deadlifting. And we were sort of sitting around chatting and Thing. you know wouldn't it be cool if we could get Kim and a couple other the really strong well-known powerlifters to come and do uh you know women's strength camp so it started out as a very small thing I think I messaged Kimberly and didn't know if she would respond or if she would in fact even be interested and she responded very quickly and was very interested 
So the very first camp we did was actually in Frances's driveway outside of her little uh, training studio. And, you know, we had a tent set up and stuff, and it was very, very well received. So we got Jen Thompson involved, and um, Rhea usually comes to the Canadian camp. So some big, well-known female names. And the Canadian camp is usually between 30 and 40 female lifters. And we've had uh, some men come to help coach or to help do some learning in the coaching stream. Um, And the American one, which started probably two years ago, I would say, those camps tend to be smaller, but there tends to be more of them, and they travel Mm. around the States. Um, so it really brings together women from all different backgrounds who have powerlifting in common. And it's, it's a really neat, um, it's a really neat thing to be involved with. And it it really has shown how women have really come forward in this sport and the growth in that aspect of powerlifting is, you know, even in the six years that I've been powerlifting, it's grown in an immense way. You know, if you talk to people who've been powerlifting for 20 years, they've, they can see even more of a change, but you know, six years isn't a long time in the grand scheme of yeah. things. And like I said, I was the only only lifter in my first meet, and as you said, it's now basically half and half. So it's great to see women from all different aspects of life, all different ages too. Like the last camp we ran, I think, you know, we had an M four there, and we had you know nineteen year olds there. So hmm. and everyone gets along, and it's uh, it's really really it's really great to see. Everyone has the common goal there, right? They all want to get stronger. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do, right? Um, yeah. And like, what female powerlifting is just blowing up. It's crazy to see like, um, the numbers some of these girls are hitting. Like Jessica Buckner's like deadlifting into the five hundreds. Most guys can't yeah. do that. Um, Jen yeah. Thompson uh, benches like, you know, three fifteen, <laughs> like it's nothing. Crazy. And uh, most most guys in the gym are you know, that's their goal, their lifetime goal. So it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely crazy to see how, how strong some of these women are getting. Um, it's, it's kind of like the four minute mile, you know, like when somebody, everyone thought it was impossible and then someone did it yeah. and all these women are just, they're doing it now. It's crazy to see. Um, so you got bench worlds coming up in Tokyo. I do. Um, how's your prep going for that? Um, how's, what's your nomination? That kind of stuff. Um, so I'm actually lifting twice in Tokyo. So I'm okay. going to lift as an M1 um, with the hope that if everything goes well, I can try and chip the M1 world record. And then I'm going to lift two days later in open. So okay. I'm nominated first in M1. And I think I'm nominated fourth in uh, open. And that's based on my somewhat not so impressive benching at nationals. <laughs> so I've actually benched more than that recently. So um, hopefully I can podium in open as well. Um, so we'll see how things go. You never know with travel and, you know, lifting twice, it's only bench, so it shouldn't make a, shouldn't be a huge big deal, but, uh, you know, I hopefully will podium in both. And like I said, if everything goes well, the, the plan is to try and chip the M1 world record on the first, the first day of lifting. Beauty. That'd be crazy. Um, mm-hmm. so you have a pretty, a pretty crazy job as well. Um, yeah. Tell, tell the listeners what you do for work. So I'm an anesthesiologist, um, and I work at a really big trauma center and also a big teaching center, so I do a lot of teaching. Um, so my hours are basically all over the place, and I sometimes uh, sometimes laugh when people say they have trouble fitting their training into their schedule. I was because, just going to mention that. <laughs> um, my, uh, my schedule's pretty crazy and pretty all over the place, and I also have two 
kids who also have busy schedules. So, um, yeah, job stress uh, can be high at times. <laughs> and I'm often training at different times of the day on no sleep or less than optimal sleep or trying to, you know, do a training session, which might take some people two and a half hours. I'll squish it into 45 minutes wow. just because that's my training window. So, yeah, it's uh, – it's definitely um, definitely stressful at times, but I think training is also what it keeps me sane. Yeah. It's kind of like my time and the time, well, I have kids running around half the time, but it's, it's my personal time to do something that focuses on me, and it's also stress relief, right? So Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I'd survive if I didn't have it right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, people say they don't have time to train or school's busy or whatever. I think if it's important to you, you can make time for it, and it may not always be optimal. And I think people think if they can't train optimally all the time that they shouldn't train at all. And, you know, I don't think I've had an optimal training session in years. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I have a different point of view on that for sure. You just got to make it work, right? You got you to gotta play the cards you're dealt. Yeah. But uh, how long have you been an anesthesiologist for? Anesthesiologist. Um, well, I've been in practice since 2006. Wow. That's a... And I was a resident for five years before that, so probably before you were born. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm born in 98. <laughs> All right. All right. I started medical school when you were born. But you're getting there. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I've been practicing since the uh, summer of 2006. Okay. Cool. Did uh, what got you into that? What uh, have you always been into? Into you know, brain surgery and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, when I first started medical school, I wanted to do sports medicine because okay. uh, coming from an athletic background, um, I had gone to see a sports physician when I was training as a gymnast, and I thought, wow, this is really cool. Like this doctor just deals with athletes. Like that's what I want to do. So I think originally when I went to med school, that was my goal, and I did some electives and I didn't really love, um, found it a little bit boring, like just, you know, dealing with physio and x-rays and, um, I didn't know that I could do that every day, all day for the rest of my life. So I liked it, you know, a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more exciting. So I think, you know, anesthesia is interesting because it's very acute, like it's very hands-on physiology. Things are happening very quickly. There's definitely some downtime, but um, the center that I work at, we have a lot of big dramatic cases often, so um, it keeps you on your toes. It's also nice because when you leave the hospital, you leave the hospital. You don't have patients that you're responsible for once you're at home, and yeah. you don't have to worry about people when, you're go when you go on vacation or... Um, uh, any of that stuff so it's very cute it's very busy it's very there's a lot of variety too I see young patients old patients um, healthy patients sick patients so um, that's probably why I like it the variety cool keeps you on your toes yeah <laughs> never a dull moment yeah definitely I was listening to a podcast with you uh, and Avi it was a Canadian powerlifting podcast a while ago and, oh yeah uh, Ryan said he gets brain picks from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't do that very often. I want to get a brain pick, little Joe. Patients consent to, to take <laughs> any pictures or use them for anything. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, my job is interesting. I definitely see things that most people will never see, but <laughs> I don't have any brain picks on me right now, no? oh, um, but I'm doing brain surgery on Monday, so. Okay. I've never seen a brain before, but I'm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Like, you got to be careful what you wish for, right? That's right. <laughs> right on. Um, so, uh, how was your, you know, you didn't have the best day at nationals, but um, part of being a, a powerlifter is just, you know, rolling with the punches and mm -hmm. making the best out of a uh, not-so-optimal not day. So, describe your day at nationals and, um, you know, obviously Tokyo is next, but what's after Tokyo and, and going in that kind of direction? So nationals obviously didn't go as well as planned, and um, I'm disappointed that I didn't win, but to be honest, I'm more disappointed that I had a bad day, because I'm very, like I said earlier, I'm very goal-orientated, and I don't like it when things don't go according to plan, so, you know, if I'd lost and had a good day and I'd actually been able to battle the way I wanted to, I'd probably feel okay about it. Um, so my meet before nationals was OPA Provincials, and we didn't really do a big peak for it. We sort of treated it as a heavy training day and, you know, went right back into heavy training shortly after. So, and pr that meet went very, very well. So I sort of had high expectations going into nationals. Um, there's some things leading up to nationals. My back, I've got a chronic back injury that bothers me now and then, and there's not much I can do about it. Um, my back started to hurt pretty badly in mid-February. So it, you know, squat and deadlift training were variable. There were days where I could do what I was supposed to do and other days where I just couldn't. Um, that being said, like, still things were going okay going into nationals, but I had a lot of work stress, work fatigue. I was pretty, pretty tired going into that day. Um, but I've trained tired, I've competed tired, so that's only one variable. Um, I just woke up feeling not very good that day and one of those things is sometimes you can shake off and sometimes you can't I didn't really feel like I had any adrenaline or I was awake really until deadlift so I think after I missed my third squat um I sort of mentally just couldn't get back into it hmm. um and going into bench you know I had a really really bad bench day a few years ago at Worlds where I bombed on bench at Worlds. And that's your left usually, right? Um, which is really a bad situation and um, took me a while to get over that. And I have yet to have um, a bad bench day since, to be honest. So to miss my opener um, in a way that it sort of died on my chest and it, you know, brought definite flashbacks from when I bombed in Texas. Mm. So it, for me, um, if I can take something good away from that day, it's that I was able to come back and, you know, slam it on my second. Um, so that was probably, you know, one positive I can take away where I went from going, oh my God, is this going to happen to me again um, on, on a national stage, which isn't as bad as a world stage, but still. Still second best. Um, <clears throat> and to be able to come back and get it on my second, still going one for three on bench for me, and, you know, was still like, you know, seven kilos off my best bench. Yeah. was pretty disappointing and really took me out of first place contention right there. So, um, you know, disappointing day, but I still came second and open as an M1. 
Um, and I know that, you know, that day isn't reflective of the lifts that I have in me or this, you know, my training going into the meet even. Um, and as my coach kept reminding me, you know, it's still my total that day is still only, you know, two or three percent off my best total. So to try and look at it in a positive light instead of a, a, negative. a negative, like, oh, my God, I went five for nine, which is in my head an awful day. Um so try and look at it in a positive light instead of a negative light. But still, I was pretty bummed about it. Um, so Sweden's out of the picture, obviously. Um, and I'm going to go to Venture Worlds and hopefully have a great great two days there. And then I think the plan is to do Commonwealths. Okay. In, uh, in Newfoundland this year, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. To get an international meet-in for, uh, for 2019. Um, and then if I decide to do Commonwealths, I probably won't do anything else this year. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was sitting, um, front row for your, for your session there. And, uh, yeah. Cause like when you came out to bench, I was like, okay, Joe's about to, about to turn it up here. And then the first attempt didn't go obviously as planned. And I was like, holy shit, like what happened? Yeah. Like I knew that you could bench more than that. And we were all sitting front stage. We're like, what the fuck? You know, like, we're yeah. like, what just happened? And then, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then you come and smoke it on your, your second attempt. Yeah. And we're like, okay, like maybe just got out of line or something. But uh, what happened on your deadlift there? That like, oh, <laughs> you fell back. Yeah, and... I don't know. So, <laughs> um, so Kim and Francis were actually on the platform as uh, spotters and loaders, and when I came out to deadlift, they rolled the bar all the way forward. And the reason they did that, which I didn't know at the time, is because that platform was really warped. Yeah. And then Arian came out, my coach, and was like, no, guys, roll the bar back to here. And they were like, okay, well, I guess we'll do what he says. Where he wanted the bar is exactly where the platform was very warped. So, I mean, I don't actually know what happened because I've never fallen over in a deadlift like that. I literally bent down to get the tension out of the bar, and the next thing I knew, I was on my butt. So, I mean... (laughs) The only thing I can think of is because it was so warped, and if you saw other people lifting later, is that it just it tilted and threw me backwards. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I didn't realize that I could have another attempt at it. But by the time they told me I could have another attempt, I'd been laughing my head off for <laughs> a good minute. So I don't know if I was really in the headspace to come back and pull that. Yeah. Um. In, it, in the end, it probably wouldn't have mattered in terms of placing because Monica was able to come and pull a huge third. But, uh, you know, I, I still would have liked to have pulled it because I think that would have given me at least matching my total or given me a PR total, which would have been a nice way to finish the day. But, yeah, I've never had that happen. And it was – I still even watching a video. I can't even figure <laughs> out what happened. We, we were So uh, I don't even have a wide stance sumo. Like, it's very strange to fall over at that point. But – I mean, all I could do was laugh, right? It was either laugh or cry. So it was hilarious. Laugh it was. We we were sitting there. We were like, "What the hell?" Like, I, I didn't I know, know if you passed out or something. And then, no, and then you got I up and you're laughing. And you're putting your mouth guard back in. And I was like, "Holy shit, she's still got a deadlift." I was like, "Joe, fucking lift!" Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I know. And then by that point, I was like, you know, so not in the mindset to pull a PR deadlift, right? So. <laughs> And it's too bad because I think I my third attempt at OPA was 170 and um, it came up super fast and I got a really bad tricep cramp and lost it at my knees. So what I've had it that day, I don't know. Um, but it would have been a nice way to finish with three out of three deadlifts considering my bench went so poorly. But uh, my just going back to bench for a sec, my last bench warm-up was um, 
went up very crooked and that doesn't happen to me very often. So I knew right away there was something off. So we bumped my opener down by two and a half kilos and, you know, 92 and a half is an easy bench for me. There's no reason. And even looking at that video, I can't tell you what went wrong other than it just didn't go up. And when I fail a bench, you know, I have two RPEs in bench. I have like <laughs> RPE five or RPE 12.5. There's not much in between. The brakes come so on fast. it either goes or it doesn't go. And if I fail, I'm going to fail it right on my chest. So that's, that's, you know, it's hard to explain why one bench, you know, buries me and the next one flies, but that's how my bench is. It either goes or it doesn't. There's not, not much in between it's at no all. Gray, eh? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. You're coached by, by Arian. How long have you been working with Arian for? Um, since, uh, like late last summer, I would say. Okay. And for those that don't know, Arian is, uh, the new, um, USAPL open team coach, correct? Correct. He yeah. Took the, he took the spot of uh, Matt and Susie Gary. I think. Correct. Yeah. yeah. He's been coaching the juniors for the last three years okay. on the national stage or world stage, I should say. Were you self coached before? How are you? How are you doing it? No. Um. So Ryan Stan coached me for the two years prior to that. Okay. And before that, uh, Abby coached me. Okay. Yep. And uh, before that. Um, uh, I got some programming from Mark Giffen. Um, Francis helped me a bit. Before that, it was more, a little bit more nebulous. But um, yeah, so I've had a few different coaches over the years. Cool. Um, I've, I've, for me, I've only ever had had Avi as one coach, and um, I've always been interested in uh, some powerlifters. They'll like bounce between different coaches mm-hmm. and like have you know five different coaches in a year and then you'll see some people work with a coach for 20 years um what do you think the benefit is to working with multiple different coaches so i don't think coach hopping is a great idea like i think that if you're going to try to work with a coach you should stick with them for a minimum like i'd say absolute minimum six months and i'd say a true minimum would be a year i think that you really can't get a feel for each other or programming or you know, figure out how you work together as coach and athlete unless you give it an actual real chance. So I'll preface the whole thing by saying that. Um, I think working with different coaches, you get, you know, different, um, you get different approaches to programming, you know, different coaches program in different ways. There's, you know, many different philosophies for powerlifting programming, and you can get a sense of what works better for you, um, what motivates you better, what kind of coaching relationship works better for you even. Um, so I think there is some advantage to trying new things. Um, but again, I don't think switching around often is a good idea either. Yeah, like that's one thing I talked to Avi about uh, in the in the podcast I did with him. Um, we've been working together for coming up on three years now, mm-hmm. I think. So, And we're just starting to get a really good uh, flow with working with each other. And, uh, I think that connection with coach and athlete is really huge because with attempt selection, um, and, and stuff like that. But, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's a way that you think, uh, we can get more, more people into powerlifting, help grow the sport and, uh, get more women into powerlifting with iron Um, work and stuff like that. I think, you know, 
encouraging people at the grassroots level. And that's one thing we do talk about at Iron Sisters a lot, too, is that, you know, people don't want to compete until they're ready or they're strong enough or, um, you know, you hear that a lot in the sort of the, the lower level of powerlifting. And I think just getting people onto the platform and focusing on, you know, your numbers and your lifts instead of comparing yourself to others, something we all struggle with, right? Like it's hard not to look at other people in your weight or age class and compare yourself. But in in the end, that that ends up not really mattering that much, like in the long run. Like there's always going to be somebody stronger. Um, There's always going to be somebody better than you, you know, if not now, then, you know, two weeks from now or two years from now. So Mm -hmm. getting people onto the platform for the right reasons and, recognizing that for the most part you're competing against yourself and your own personal best and you can have higher goals than that but um you know getting people out there and enjoying the sport for what it is and setting small goals for themselves and enjoying you know working towards those goals and I think for women too I think one of the reasons it's so appealing is that for the most part it's about um, it's a sport that doesn't focus on your body or what you look like, which is yeah. quite in contrast to bodybuilding. And for a lot of women, you, you will hear a lot of women in the sport who come in and say, you know, I've struggled with eating disorders for years or body image for years. And this sport, for the most part, really takes the focus off of that yeah. and puts the focus on what you can do with your body as opposed to what you look like. Um and I think that's important too. Um, and also just the, I think the community of powerlifting for me has been a huge thing, you know, getting to know people that you otherwise probably would never have mm-hmm. been friends with or have gotten to know at all. People of all ages, you know, I've got friends who are in their 60s and friends that are in their 20s, which, you know, as a, you know, someone who's in their early 40s is a bit strange, right? <laughs> like you, in my everyday You're life. A predator. as a physician like you know uh, it's really great for me to have a group of a community of people outside of medicine um because you know what other aspect of your life would you would you meet people from you know such diverse backgrounds right so for me that's been great and that's a nice thing about doing international meets as well is it's so amazing to meet people from all over the world and you share the sport and for the most part you don't really talk about what what people do in the rest of their lives, which I also find interesting, you know, for the longest time, people didn't even know I was a physician and I was okay with that because that's, you know, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, encouraging the community, um, of powerlifting and, um, encouraging mentoring as well. So coaching is one aspect, but I think you can also have mentors in the sport that aren't necessarily your coaches. Yeah. And I think that that's important and that also encourages people to get involved in the sport, but also stay involved in the sport. You know, when I'm having a bad day, I have a couple people that don't even live in North America that I talk to about powerlifting who I've met over the years doing uh, different meets. And it's great to be able to, to talk to people who you don't see every day, who you have this in common with, who might have a completely different perspective on things yeah. or even life things. Right. So, um, I think it's a it's a sport with a great community, and to me, I think that's one of the the greatest reasons that people should get involved in it. I I, I absolutely agree. I have a buddy who's um, who goes to my gym, and um, he's trying to get into powerlifting. You know, he's been watching me, and he's into it, and he's going to do a meet in August. I finally talked him into it, but for the longest time, he was like, I, "You know, I don't want to do a meet. I want to I want to wait till I have you know respectable total, respectable total." Yeah. I'm like, okay, um, you know, what's a respectable total? He's like, well, I'd be a 74 
So what's, you know, pull up the IPF uh, meet results from Worlds this year. I'm like, dude, why are you fucking <laughs> comparing yourself <laughs> to the best that. in the world? What are you doing? Like, yeah. look at a local meet. If you're gonna, if yeah. you're gonna, you know, we all have high expectations for ourselves. But I think uh, having realistic expectations is huge. You know, like people with their first meet, like I remember my first meet was just a little local meet on the island in Victoria. And there was like, I think over half the, the lifters were new lifters. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like if all these people were just, you know, oh, I want to wait till I wait till I have a respectable total. No, there'd be no powerlifting. You know, there wouldn't be 800 lifters at nationals because, yeah. uh, yeah, I think pe- more people just need to pull the trigger here. <laughs> I think my first meet, I squatted 70 kilos. I benched 67 kilos. Holy shit. Just funny. <laughs> and I, I think my deadlift was like 112 and a half. So we all start somewhere. That's it. Have you have you always just had a massive bench? Like, has that always been your lift or has gymnast? It has. So that's sort of how it started. I was doing the bodybuilding thing and I never bench pressed before in my life. Really? Like I said, I went to the gym and I never knew what I was doing. I was playing around with dumbbells and doing a lot of abs and cardio. <laughs> So my uh, my trainer that was training me for the bodybuilding competition had me do like a real well real plat back bench press and uh, like a bodybuilding bench press and you know he I can't remember what he put on the bar but it was super easy so he just kept putting weight on the bar and he was looking <laughs> around at his training buddies and he's like or his trainer buddies and he's like I don't know what's happening here she's never bench pressed before <laughs> and I don't remember what I bench pressed that day and it was like a touch and go like super narrow grip bodybuilding bench press but he just kept putting weight on it and I just kept benching it <laughs> so I think I just have really natural upper body strength from being a gymnast for so many years right so yeah and then I benched I think the first time we actually tried to max out a one rep bench, I benched 70 kilos easily in the gym. <laughs> Holy shit. So it's always been my best lift, my easiest lift, and my favorite lift. But it's also been my nemesis, right? Like the only lift I've ever bombed on was bench, okay. right? So it's, uh, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. <laughs> but yeah, I just I have upper body strength. You have massive triceps. Uh, I saw in your Instagram story the other day, it was like a picture of your you were like flexing your tricep or something i was like holy fuck like what uh do you do, you do a lot of tricep accessories or do you just naturally I, have I massive mean, triceps i've done them on and off over the years but if i were to show you a picture of me as like a teenager i had huge triceps then too right so it's not uh it's not something i've done over the last few years it's made a difference i just genetically have very large triceps interesting and i do train them and i do hypertrophy really easily for a girl, I don't know if that's why they keep drug testing me, but I do hypertrophy <laughs> really easily for a girl. So, like, I work my quads and my triceps; they will balloon. Interesting. Do uh, yeah. do uh, Mama and Papa Reber have big big triceps, or is it just? Uh, a no, weird I have no idea where it anomaly. came from. <laughs> um, my uh, my dad apparently, when he was younger, my sister tells me he was an athletic guy, but. Athletically built guy. I don't think he was ever an athletic guy. Speaking <laughs> um, the dad. Yeah, but genetically, like, I, I don't know where it comes from. Right on. So you're a gymnast too. Uh, how did you get into that, and and uh, how do you think that helps you in powerlifting? Um, I was a gymnast um, from the ages of about five to fourteen. 
I don't really remember how I got into it. I think because my older sister was in it, I wanted to do it. I was never a great gymnast. Like, I was an okay gymnast, and I grew up in PEI. So it wasn't hard to get on the teams that competed. Like, I was on the Canada Games team, but again, like, the talent pool was small. So it wasn't hard to to compete at a reasonably decent level. But I wasn't wasn't a fabulous gymnast, mostly because I was a chicken. I'm scared of heights. (laughs) I was scared of, like... The bars in the vault horribly, but um, I did okay. And, I, you know, I trained, I think that we trained like 25 hours a week. So from an early age, I had to learn how to um, time manage with school and training and um, discipline too. So I think, you know, it taught me a lot of things at an early age. Um, uh, it also, obviously, muscle memory. I, got strong as a gymnast gymnast will be you know some of the strongest most most athletic athletes that you'll find there's actually quite a few female gymnasts anyway that have crossed over into powerlifting um so from a physical standpoint for sure and from a mental standpoint it's interesting I, I wrote a blog about this a while ago but I was a horribly anxious athlete as a gymnast okay. and I never really figured it out and when I first started powerlifting, I had terrible anxiety before meets as well. Really? And I finally kind of sat down with myself and said, like, okay, you're an adult now. If you're going to do this and it's going to be awful every time you compete, you're going to have to figure it out. So I was able to sort of take some of the the strategies that I use from work, actually. Like, I don't get anxious at work. I don't get stressed even when things are super stressful. I'm actually known for being extremely calm in dire situations at work so i'm like why can i do it at work when someone's dying but i can't (laughs) do it when i'm about to get on a powerlifting platform so i had to try and figure out how to translate some of those skills to dealing with anxiety before i lifted and i do remember being extremely anxious before i competed as a gymnast Um, i just never developed the skills at that age to deal with it so it's been helpful in that way that I can look back and go, okay, I never figured it out then, but let's figure it out now because otherwise, I, you know, I don't want to have a horrible experience every time I compete. <laughs> but yeah, like I know some lifters, they just freak out before they lift and they're, you know, puking and they're they're probably losing, you know, they weigh in and they're they're lighter than when they weigh in because they're sweating so profusely and they're just yeah. they're just letting their, you know, they're they're getting in their own heads and. Uh, that's something that I've never struggled with. It's weird, you know, like, um, even for my first meet, I was just like, I wasn't nervous at all. It was weird. I just thought, you know, like I do this all the time in the gym. So why is it any different on the platform? Right. So someone telling you when to start and when to complete the lift and, and the bench and, you know, um, I just never got nervous, uh, for some reason. I don't know why. I guess that's That's just luck, just (laughs) luck, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, gymnasts are absolute beasts um i was talking to my friend and we were like uh, i was like when you have a kid are you gonna uh put him into powerlifting you know he's a powerlifter and he's like no he's going into gymnastics and i was like fair enough man fair enough yeah <laughs> creates animals um a lot of a lot of like body weight strength there yeah um so so do you have uh more iron sisters um like uh camps coming up or when, when's the next so one the next the next uh u.s camp is actually july 1st long weekend okay in brooklyn at scots and science gym okay that's arian's so, gym right pardon that's arian's gym yeah okay 
So that's where the next one is. And then the one after that is the Canadian one, which is here in Hamilton. And okay. I think it's July 26th. And then the one after that is on the West Coast in the States in Seattle. And I can't remember the exact date off the top of my head, but it's sometime in August. Okay. So, like I said, the American ones travel around. The Canadian one is always in Hamilton. Are you going to all of them? or? Probably not. I'll, I'll be here for the Hamilton one for sure. Okay. And I'm going to try and go to the one in Brooklyn because it's close and it's you know, a fun place to go in July. Fair enough. So, yeah, I don't know if I'll make it to the Seattle one, but we'll have to see. Okay. Cool. I got. Uh, I do have to work. You know, at least one weekend a month too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Busy. Um, and and yeah, scheduling that around meets and training is also a, a factor. Yep. Do uh, how does someone book the Iron Sisters event, or do you guys just book them yourselves, or how does that work if someone was interested? If they wanted to register, just go to the website, um, and um, the registration information is all on there. Okay. Cool. Um. Do you uh, do you have any closing thoughts uh, for the listeners? What's next for you? How do you want to be remembered? Uh, <laughs> stuff How do like I want that. to be remembered? <laughs> <laughs> I think the most important thing um, with training and powerlifting is to make sure that you're still enjoying it and you're still having fun because in the end, for the majority of us, it's a hobby. No one's, no one's going to make a career yeah. of powerlifting in terms of you know uh, making money or huge prestige it's still very much a niche sport even as much as it's grown so make sure you're having fun make sure you're enjoying it and um uh yeah just keep lifting Alrighty. what's uh last thing what's what's uh what's next for little joe do you you know in the next coming years are you going to keep competing as an open are you going to go m1 or that's a tough question. You know, people have been asking me that for a while because I'll be 43 this year. Um, you don't look and, a day past you know, 25. Aw, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if I look at, you know, if I look at the nominations for Worlds this year, the Sweden Worlds, like I would win M1 the same with last year. Okay. You know, barring any disaster, it wouldn't be a difficult win. And, you know, for some people, um, they would go because they want to win. And I understand that. But for me... I'm competitive. Like I want, if I'm still somewhat competitive and open, I want the competition for me to be able to go and easily win. Um, you know, maybe eventually like that's what I'll want, but as long as I'm still somewhat competitive and open, then that's where I'd like to stay. We'll see. We'll see how my body holds up. We'll see how I feel. Um, the reason I'm doing both in Tokyo is because I can't chip the record as an open. I'd have to go up by the two and a half kilos, so okay. I wanted to be able to try and chip it in the in the M one session. Um, but for now, my plan is to stay open. You know, my, that that may change as the years go on. But um, you know, I was talking to Jen Thompson a little bit about this um, when we were in Florida. But um, like for me, I'd rather go where the competition is than go for the easy win Fair right enough. now in this moment in time. Anyway, very admirable of you, little Joe. Thanks. I find that really cool, actually, when uh, when you know M one lifters go down and compete with the open, and a lot of them still are able to hang. You know, like guys like David Ricks and yep. um, Leon Brown from Canada, and all these guys yep. that are just just still still doing it. It's pretty crazy. One more question is uh, what what other female lifters uh, should I have on the podcast here? What other female lifters? I think you should get Ray on here. Okay. Yeah. I want to stay stay Canadian. I think Raya is, um, you know, 
powerlifting royalty in in Canada, and uh, she, you know, is still making huge gains. She lifts equipped, she lifts raw, and she's one of the most humble human beings that I've ever met. And to me, that is one of the biggest attributes you can have as a lifter. So I, she would be my number one choice. Um, Jen Thompson is is a great person to talk to. She's got some great perspective on uh, life and lifting. Um, if you want to talk more Iron Sister stuff and to someone who's been involved in Strength Force for a really long time, Frances Manius is uh, the founder of Iron Sisters, and she's a great person to have on a podcast. She's much better at public speaking than I am as well. <laughs> and she's got some interesting perspective, having been a world-level bodybuilder for years and years and now uh, lifting as a as an M- M1 lifter in powerlifting. So those three would be at the top of my list, I would say. All right, there's... Little Joe's top three picks. There you have it. Um, I'll. Uh, I know Rhea, but I don't know Jen and Francis. So maybe I can uh, get you to connect us, and we can we can do a podcast with uh, with maybe all three Iron Sisters one day. All right. That'd Sounds be wicked. Great. All right. Thanks, Joe, for for coming Thank on. Thank you. It's good. Uh, good to talk to you, and uh, look forward to seeing what you put up at uh, Worlds coming up here. All right. Thanks. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, so that was little Joe Reber. Um, pretty solid podcast there. She's a very strong girl. Uh, looking forward to see what she throws up at Worlds here coming up. Next week we have Matt Venna. Um, he's a powerlifter from from BC, actually. He's from Vancouver, I believe. He is just fucking killing lifts right now. He's blowing up. Um, squatted 680 uh, the, yesterday in the gym. He's just an animal. Uh, he's nominated third. Uh, going into Sweden here as a junior in the 93 kilo weight class. And that is with a a not so great um, performance at nationals. Still became the national champion. He got sick a uh, week out, lost, I think, um, three or four kilos body weight and still dominated dominated the, the pack out at nationals, Canadian nationals. Um, really excited to have him on. He's been on King of the Lifts a few times on their Instagram He's an absolute beast and I'm really looking forward to having him on. So thank you for listening and look forward to next week with Matt.